You're listening to AK's Dog Training Podcast. Talking all things dogs and all of their training journeys. Get your pups ready for AK's Dog Training Podcast with your host and favorite dog trainer, AJ. All right, guys, welcome back. I am still your host, AJ. This is AK's Dog Training Podcast, obviously. As you heard, I'm very excited. We're going to be, this is episode two of hopefully many, many episodes. But today we're going to be discussing obedience training essentials. I know in the last episode we discussed the puppy stage, you know, from eight weeks to about four months, the type of things that you should be doing and looking out for. We're going to be discussing the importance of obedience training for a well-behaved type of dog. For me, the obedience foundation is all the same, regardless of whether you have a service animal you have a canine or a sport dog or just a at-home pet couch potato, okay? So what I typically do when I'm introducing new commands, like I said, the foundation has always been the same. Commands that I teach my dog, but those set a, such a great foundation for other things that you're going to be doing down the line. You, know, you want a sit, eventually you're going to teach, whether you're, if you're doing a sport dog, you're going to have a sit in a different manner than you would at, at home you know you, your your sit's gonna be nice up and proper it's gonna be at a certain angle a stay same way you might have that dog stay in a certain position not move for several minutes a down it all becomes the same you know it you teach it foundationally the same way so that way later on you can become a little bit more advanced and get into the more technical fancy i guess for the lack of better terms and that's usually what you see in the sport world as far as dogs go but in any sense for me when i'm teaching the sit i always bring my treats everywhere i go especially when we're doing the the puppy phase onward so i i think the dog is pretty well off with with their basic obedient commands so for the down the sit the come and the stay i have some treats in my vest i usually have them on a leash and depending on where we're training if we're training at home will also depend on the type of treats because dogs are just like humans and for me I love steak right so steak is such a high value food for me I might get very excited for for that or in and out I mean I know they're two different things but they're very high value for me I might not be very excited to just eat chicken and rice you know plain old chicken and rice will I work for it sure will I be satisfied to work or and eat it yeah absolutely it's the same thing for dogs right I might have a dog that is super strung high strung they might go over the top so that's usually what i do i always have some type of treats with me whether it's kibble and again it depends on the dog because if a dog is a lot more relaxed and slow i'm going to try to bring that dog up and by doing that i'm going to bring higher value treats and rewards i typically try not to feed the dog any type of human food and if i do it might be for a treat as far as a reward but i don't like to feed my dogs open openly and just have free access to their food because they need to be understanding of their food is something they work for right you and I might work very hard for our jobs or at our jobs and that produces paycheck at the end of the week right bi-weekly even monthly right so nobody here lives here for free both Missouri and Knox they need to work for their food or for their toys or whatever we're working on but when I start training any type of dog whether it's my dogs a client's dogs they will work for their food because it's 
we're setting the foundation for later on and if the dog is has open access and free range and free eating at home and i expect them to work with me and all of a sudden i'm, I'm trying to have them train and learn new commands and new behaviors they're going to be like why would i work for you when i could just be at home and i know there's going to be food i hope for me my parents just leave the food out for me right so i work hard and i expect them to work hard but we're going to make it a little bit easier for them so that way they don't just get to openly eat whenever they want you take the food away and only feed them during mealtimes that will produce a more motivated dog when it comes to mealtimes right that also sets the boundaries and you start producing the, that structure inside the household that's something that i tell my clients all my clients to, to be doing because that's a quick fix for you to start doing at home without even really working on something with the dog that you're just setting those boundaries that structure dogs are very much like humans right we need that structure and as times go on sure you you want them off leash and everything else and you're slowly going to start taking away a little bit of that structure so that produces more freedom but like i said it all starts with the foundation uh, sit down stay and come right and i don't free feed my dogs they work for their meals or in between their meals so that way we can produce a more motivated dog when it comes to those behaviors like i said the sit is very practical obviously you're going to use it whether you're out of the store at home stay same thing you know if, if you're out of sight or somebody's walking by you want your dog to be in a, in a sit and stay while you're grabbing something from the car or going inside the store really fast but you still have your eyes on them a come probably one of the most important behaviors that you could teach your dog because that's going to translate to so many different variables as well everybody wants their dog to be off leash but if you're not training the recall then you're not going to get that off leash behavior right so come and it's probably one of the most important for sure because when your dog is out and about it's really going to test how important you are in their minds versus whatever they might have their eyes on or whatever they're fixating on in that moment, right? I know that my dog puts me first the majority of the time, right? You can't expect your dog to put you first with like a squirrel or prey animals, whatever that they are really into. But if we're out and about and a dog is walking by, I can easily call my dog's name. Hey, Knox, come here. And he'll easily come back, right? But we have worked day in, day out constantly on his recall and same thing with Zuri right her recall has gotten a lot better but I also started with her at eight weeks that was probably the first behavior that I really worked on more than any other behavior because you're going to get the stay those duration commands are going to come but the actual recall to come that's going to take some time but the quicker you do it when you bring your puppy home the easier it becomes down the line as you start to build that progression so I always emphasize to really work on that recall. You start at home with the least amount of distractions. I've had some clients tell me, hey, I don't really want to work uh, or train in my house. Can we just go to the park or somewhere, you know, with an open field? And my answer is typically no, unless we're working with something specific and your dog's already a little bit more advanced, right? So I'm always going to start with outside of the house. Why? because your dog is most comfortable in its environment within the household. So there's the least amount of distractions we can, the outside world, there might be a squirrel, all the smells, you know, if you haven't really worked 
on a lot of the obedient behaviors, you're not going to succeed outside of the house. You have to be able to succeed in small portions. You start inside the house, in the backyard, maybe go to the front yard where there's a little bit more traffic. You know, there's cars coming by, maybe there's people walking by. Take it to down the street near your house. You start small and you reward quickly for the least amount of duration and then you start to build that duration, right? You can't expect your dog to succeed in a new environment if they haven't even succeeded in the environment they already live in, okay? That is very, very important. We need to start at home where we're most comfortable and then work our way out. Another thing when we're talking about training, I typically teach my dogs all throughout positive reinforcement. And what I mean by that is, and then you slowly start to build your, your way out of there. Just like the stay command, I am constantly giving them food or some type of toy to get them to do the behavior that I really want, right? It produces a lot less conflict between the dog and I, usually a lot more motivation, but positive reinforcement is definitely a great foundational type of training to do. And it really will push outward to build that bond to really get into those advanced type of behaviors that you want with your dog. When in doubt, positive reinforcement is the way to go, okay? Always use treats if you don't have any treats. Typically, the hierarchy for me is, obviously, it's going to depend on the dog. Like, I have two Malinois, Knox and Zuri. Knox loves food. He loves to bite. <laughs> but if I were to categorize his type of positive reinforcement as far as the hierarchy goes, it would be top one being bite, two being some type of toy, usually his chuck it ball, three high value food. Four, usually last, it's going to be praise, right? Because sometimes, you know, you're out there and you're, you're wanting to work on something and you run out of food or you don't have your toy. With him, bite, we're going to put that into a toy category, but high value food such as like raw, freeze dried raw food. Sometimes I like to use raw food, but that smell typically stays on you for a lot longer than you might want. After that, it would be kibble. If I don't have any other type of kibble besides his own, I will just use his, like when we're working for breakfast or dinner. And lastly, praise. If I'm at the park and I run out of kibble and I don't have a ball, I'm still going to reward my dog, but I'm just going to give him praise, whether it's physical praise, like good boy, or it's verbal praise, like I said, good boy, or both. I typically do both. I will pet my dog and say, good boy, good little man, something like around those lines, right? That's personally how I do things. People tend to forget that praise is still a form of reward. Unfortunately, your dog might not be as content with praise, but if you remember when you come home or when you're talking up your dog, they are very excited when you're praising them, right? Just the only difference is you don't have that other type of value reward nearby. So if you have nothing else, reward your dog with praise, but don't get in the habit of only praising or only rewarding your dog with praise because they're going to be like, well, that was dumb. Okay. I'm continuously just working for this, right? So switch it up for sure. Switch it up to get that type of desired behavior you might want. But next thing we're talking about different techniques and tools. I tell all my clients, I personally love to use clicker training. What is clicker training is very similar to Pavlov theory where this psychiatrist, no, sorry, this psychologist Pavlov found it, found out that when he rang a bell around dinner time, these dogs would start to salivate as soon as they heard the bell, right? Eventually it became so ingrained in their head that all they had all he had to do was ring a bell 
and the dog would have a unconscious type of response or subconscious response and they would begin to salivate just just based on the bell same thing with clicker training when you're clicker training you've probably seen it it's a small little handheld device that literally has one button on it and it clicks the way I introduce it to all the dogs that I train whether it's mine or client dogs I will just get call their name knocks I click it reward them for just looking at me and just so they can get comfortable with the clicker right it's called loading the clicker you load the clicker so much with these food and treats that next time they hear that click they know what's coming is reward so that way when we start to work on different behaviors click reward and they know exactly what's to come but they also know that hey i put if i put my feet down dad just clicked that thing and he just rewarded me so if i put my feet down again as soon as i hear a click i'm gonna get rewarded okay so obviously i'm doing something right another way that i like to use that clicker is because sometimes i'm not the most energetic my my voice isn't the most high-pitched sound not the most appealing to some including my dog so if i say yes or yes it might be two different yeses and to my dogs they might be like well that wasn't as exciting as the first yes so like i might not be producing the same type of result based on your yes that's why i tell clients that are males this is more effective with them because when you have your wife your sister and kids typically girls and kids have a higher pitched voice and vocal cords so that when they say yes it's a lot more energetic more exciting to the dog and when they're, instead of using a clicker, they say yes, the dog's gonna be a lot more excited for that behavior and their reward versus me and my yes, Knox or Zuri or your dog is gonna be like, well, that wasn't very exciting. Well, yeah, I get it, I get the food, but that wasn't as exciting as mom's yes, right? So with the clicker, it's relatively the same. Typical rule of thumb is as soon as your dog gives the behavior, you click and you reward them within one to three seconds. So it's gotta be pretty quick, but anything past that, your dog's kind of wondering what is going on. Uh, I did this behavior and now they're kind of starting to lose the thought process of whatever they just did or why they're getting rewarded. So I like to use the clicker training, luring. When I first start out with a puppy, I might start with luring as far as trying to get them into the right position. I put the food directly above their nose and if they're really motivated and even if they're not like I said we make sure that their meals are very structured and they don't get to free feed I'm moving around the food and moving their bodies in a position that I want them to and then I reward them when they're in the sit or the down and then as they progress and get older I will start to emphasize more of that clicker training but throughout all of dog training you will see not only me but also other trainers they will continuously use luring, clicker training. They're always going back to the foundational things, whether you're teaching something new or trying to make something a lot more precise. So don't think just because, hey, my dog already sits or my dog already downs, why, like, why do I have to do luring? Maybe your sit looks a, lot, a little sloppy, so it, you know, a luring would help. And maybe it's the way that you're rewarding your dog that needs a little bit of help as well. So those are all just things to think about. If I don't have my dog vest, I would usually have like a, I'm not going to say a fanny pack, but I will have a little dog pouch, has some type of either a ball, some treats, poop bags, of course, and a training leash. I like to use a three foot leash 
especially when I'm teaching dogs new behavior. Because if you have a six foot leash, you're gonna have a lot more slack and it's gonna be a little bit harder. You have to maneuver them and lure them into the right position and the leash is gonna help you steer them into the right direction. Some of the things that we talked about in this episode, again, is luring, clicker training, positive reinforcement as a whole, recall, work on your recall from when the do- as soon as you get your dog and continuously work on recall. It can always get better and you can always add more distractions as you go on, right? Lastly, I know some of these things might take time, but dog training is not a sprint. And I know I'll be the first to say when I first started training my dog, I'm like, he's very high driven. He's high strung. I want to get my dog to be doing those fancy sits, those downs where they're running and they're downing so fast. But at the time, the person I was training with, they're like, we need to succeed and be able to do a heel before we can do a focused heel or before we can do a down in motion, right? You need to accomplish and understand a heel so your dog can also understand a heel and then you can start to add more of that fancy footwork, different type of distractions, get into sport work, more service work, canine, whatever it might be. Always work on your foundational items. Sit down, stay, come, regardless of what your dog is working on because I work with with various type of canine handlers and different canines. I tell them, at first they might not like it, but I tell them that obedience is very important for them. Why? Because not only does that build that bond between dog and handler, but you would like a dog to be a lot more obedient to you rather than just tell you to kick rocks right away. And you're like, well, what the hell? Why is my dog not listening? Well, if there's no structure inside the household, You expect this dog or tool to be used and just fire off whenever you need them to and just stop right when you need them to? No, they're not robotic and they need something to work for, right? Yes, the dogs are going to enjoy biting, but they are taught to enjoy biting. They're not born and just bite and love it right away, right? They might be very bitey type of dogs and have good genetics, but that does not mean that they understand what biting is, you know. So those foundational things that you work on fun with your dog to start getting to sport work. So these are all just things to think about and do not forget the basics. Okay. Once again, my name is AJ and I am so glad you guys tuned in all six, seven, 12. However of you, I'm glad that you guys gave me the time of day to be listening to this podcast but Knox and Zuri thank you and we'll see you on the next episode this concludes today's episode of AK's dog training podcast tune in next week for our next episode as always don't forget to train the dog in front of you